Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Tree Podcast episode 195. Whoa, getting close to that 200. Every time we record, I'm like, we're almost there and then we're not. It's still like, what, five weeks out, but it feels good. It feels very exciting and we have recorded way over 200 podcasts. We just weren't listing them the same because they were date nights, they were mini episodes during Those COVID. Date nights. Weren't those date nights nice? They were the nicest. Are you kidding me? Like they wreaked havoc on my bod. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) But something about cracking a bottle of wine midweek. It's just special, especially when you're on keto. You really reminisce about the the times when maybe you treated your body a little bit different. Oh, yeah. But But wow, what a time. It wasn't just cracking the wine. It was cracking the wine and doing the tasting because there was something so special about that. Like we drink wine so often without thinking about it. So I really loved being so intentional about it and doing the tasting, trying to find the flavor notes, talking about it on the pod, whether we could find them or couldn't find them. Like I, I loved that subscription service. And I do suggest throwing it out there when we are done keto, let's get back on it. I loved just the four bottles of wine a month. It was nice and easy. <laughs> That's one a week. But I wonder, yeah. and I'm not, I'm so into it. I'm very nostalgic for that period. And I love, you know, nostalgia. Uh, nostalgia day coming up soon, by the way. It's true, yeah. But I think one, once a month. Can we do it once a month? Once a month? Or do you month? like once a week? Okay, because I'll stockpile. Just because we get it once a week doesn't mean we need to drink it once a week. No, but I like having the date night once a week. We don't have to do it okay. midweek. We do it on a Saturday. We do it on a Saturday and we each drink half a bottle, which might be the perfect amount of alcohol yeah. to consume. The, the somewhat of an issue was on date night, we would have, uh, you know, half a bottle and then we would have maybe another drink after and then like another drink. Well, look, if we're doing it on a Saturday, I think we can safely do okay. a shared one bottle and one martini each. Okay. On a Saturday. Yep. But. But I want to stay. We are in a good health routine. And I'd hate sometimes alcohol can really throw you off your health routine. And I hate for that to happen. But if we can do that, I am I'm all in. But I think that this is why at this phase in our life, it's good to do it on a weekend. Because before when we were doing date nights, we might have a drink on the weekend as well as the date night midweek. But if we use the date night bottle and martini on one of the nights where we might have drink anyway, like a Friday or Saturday, then there you go. Two birds, one stone. Yeah, we're working things out in real time here on the podcast. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. Anyway, Shane, I want to talk to you about something specific. It is now, you know, I was driving Lucy to school this morning and it is, something happened to me that I've been noticing has been happening more frequently as she's been asking more questions, asking for more advice, wanting to know the whys of things. And I keep catching myself giving like questionable parenting advice or just questionable answers to things because I don't really know what she's going to ask. And sometimes like, you know, 95% of the time, you guys know if you have kids, they'll ask you something and it catches you totally off guard. You don't know how they got there. It's a total non sequitur. And then you're trying to come up with a, a good answer on the spot. So like today we're driving around and she goes, mommy, how do they bury you when you die? So I start going, well, they, they take your body and they, you know, embalm it maybe, and then they'll put it in a coffin. They dig a hole, put it in the ground six feet, and then it was the cemetery stone so people can go and visit you after. Embalm it maybe? <laughs> <laughs> so, that was, you know, issue one. Then she started asking me, well, do they do anything else other than burying? 
So then I started explaining how, well, some people, maybe they want their ashes scattered. So then I started explaining how they might burn the body and then scatter the ashes. Some people might want to be buried with a tree because that's a new age thing that I kind of like myself. Some people might do, I was telling her about in the old days, the old Viking funeral where they ship you off on a thing of wood into the ocean and hit you with fiery arrows. The Viking send off. I don't think that is popular these days no and they don't put you in a box they just put you on a plank of wood but i was trying to just give her examples of other things people might do when you die right cremation though i feel like that no pun intended is very hot right now people (laughs) a lot of people get cremated more and more like every time like i I was at a funeral the other day and i don't know i'm just expecting always to see a body there yeah just boom no body and I'm like, I might be able to hold it together. Because funerals, I am the worst. Right. I could not know you at all. Second I show up at a funeral, I'm bawling my eyes out mm-hmm. like it was my loved one, like my wife or something. Mm-hmm. So I'm very embarrassing at a funeral. But even without the body, surprisingly, I bawled my eyes out at the last funeral and I went. You didn't even know the person. I didn't even know the person. Long story short, I had to go to a funeral. on be- Not a funeral, of. A viewing, visitation. a visitation, even though there wasn't, I guess there was an urn to visit. Yeah. Just still, you know, visit the urn. Visiting the family. Visit the family, trying to comfort people because my mom couldn't make it. My mom's very ill and she wanted me to go on her behalf to one of her best friends growing up, which is a little odd and uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I bawled my eyes out and I made a little bit of a scene. You did not. You made a scene? Only because... I don't want to. I was kind of the, the the tallest person there, oddly. I don't know why. You're crying at I'm how not, short everybody was? No, it was a, a scene of pity? No, I'm not particularly tall. <laughs> However, I noticed I was really standing above everyone. And um, I was the youngest person there almost. Yeah. So people were like, who is that guy? And then when sometimes people would go up to me and they'd be like who's this handsome young man and then but people would look and they'd be like no and i don't i'm not this isn't a humble brag or anything i'm just saying like i was 20 years younger than most people so but then i'd be bawling my eyes out so i'm making a scene quietly i'm quietly crying to myself but i realize i can't hide anywhere and i do i'm just looking like i don't belong i'm by myself I'm taller than everyone. I'm dressed a little bit different than everyone. I don't know. I thought I had to wear like this all black suit. So I kind of look like I'm I'm dressed like Elvis in his comeback special or something. A magician. A hot magician. A a magician. Yeah. (laughs) Elvis is way too much of a compliment. I look like a weird magician (laughs) is exactly how I look like. I look like David Copperfield. So I stood out like a sore thumb. I'm crying a lot and uh, I just wanted to leave. And I had to shake the um, the deceased husband's hand and that was the first person i had to interact with and he was just not having it it's like who are you mm-hmm. and i told him and that i'm like my mom's pat and she was good friends and that didn't seem to satisfy like a elicit a friendly like reaction and obviously this guy's going through hell um and it's like who's this young guy crying his eyes out yes, taking the grief yeah. away from me so i do feel like a horse's ass <laughs> when i go to a funeral and i don't know the Person very well. However, it's all to say, yes, cremation is very popular right now. And what was the other? So Viking thing, um, I feel is not a thing. And just traditional burial. Okay. But cemeteries are getting filled up. It's hard to find a spot. And if you do find a spot, it is so much money. That's like prime real estate these days to get a spot in a cemetery. I find Catholics do it more. A lot of Catholics still are opting for 
burials. Can you bury in the backyard or is that weird? I think you can if maybe you're not in a city. I think mm. it's weird if you're in a city because people might do renos down the line, like putting in a pool and then they just bury up your husband. Yeah. Dig up your husband. Like that's creepy. That can be awkward. Yeah. And that just reeks of poltergeist or something like your house is built on an old Polish burial ground. Yeah. Saying Polish if like somebody, you know, one of my family dies, we bury him back there. Just get haunted with like kibasa or something. But anyway, this is all to say that I was starting to freak Lucy out a little bit without even realizing it. I was just trying to give her a well-rounded, you know, international answer about what different peoples and different cultures may do when somebody dies. And then I kind of looked back at her through the uh, mirror in the car and I could just see her. She's just like looking at me like wide eyed like this. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, man, I took it too far with the Viking thing. And then she started, oh, this is what I feel about, she started crying. Because why? Uh, oh, well, I, I was going to say, I'm always surprised at the lack of Lucy's existential terror. Because when I was her age, I was so obsessed with the fact that I'm going to die. It scared me out of my mind. Yeah. And I was always asking about it. But Lucy always seemed pretty resolved with the fact that we die. She seemed to be like, okay, yeah, we don't all live forever and understands death. She thinks it's sad, but she's always been very appropriate and mature beyond her years, I thought, about dealing with death. However, today she wasn't. Not even today. This started yesterday. And okay. she even actually started asking me the same thing maybe a few weeks ago. She started at bedtime uh, saying, mommy, how do I know no bad things will ever happen to me? And as a parent, that crushes you that crushed my heart um but yesterday on our way to swimming like she's terrified of this one swimming lesson because it's intense but it's teaching her safety mm -hmm. but she goes mommy i'm scared of swimming monsters and something bad happening to me and i go well lucy first of all monsters aren't real secondly scared of swimming because you don't know how and you're scared of bad things happening to you. Well, we're putting you in the swimming lesson to make sure nothing bad happens to you in the water, to make sure that you can swim, to help avoid that. Mommy and daddy are going to continue doing things like this to try to keep you protected. Anyway, so she started getting on that again today. And she just started crying about she didn't want any bad things to happen to her. And I was like, well, what kind of bad things? And she goes, the worst things. And obviously, she's just thinking about death, right? Yeah. How would you react? Because I just was, I was already rambling about Viking funerals. So then I just started trying to ramble my way out of that. But I find that you often have a good way of talking to her. And I, now too, I mean, the pressure's off because you're not going to freak her out. You're just talking mm -hmm. to me. But how would you have approached that? Like if I was Lucy saying, I'm scared of something bad happening to me. How would you I, I, I would say, Lou, that is a very healthy thing to have is fear. Because fear protects us. If we're not scared... We can be careless. And even like I remember my shop teacher telling me, he's like, we are around dangerous uh, machines. People can get hurt. And he goes, students, unfortunately, I am the most likely person to get hurt in this class. And I was like, why would the shop teacher be the most likely person to get hurt? Mm -hmm. He's like, because I'm not scared of these machines. Mm -hmm. I use them all the time. I have so much comfort that I'm liable to make a careless mistake. And so for me, since I have high anxiety, it's the blessing of it is almost that I'm always super cautious and high alert every time I cross the street. I'm scared something's going to happen every time I make a turn in the vehicle. I'm worried the turn isn't correct. As you know, I'm 
always on you about turning correctly, approaching our street correctly, because we we live in a very dangerous street. So I would just explain to Lucy, there is an advantage to fear. Fear protects us, but we don't want to be unnecessarily worried. But yeah, certain things can happen that we have to watch out for. But that's not to say we have to be worried 24-7. Yeah, that's You know what? Okay, this makes me feel better because that's kind of what I was telling her. And I was saying, first trying to make her feel better and just saying, Lucy, look, everybody gets scared. But we take steps to make sure that we aren't putting ourselves in the position of something bad happening. And again, like I brought swimming into it since I think that's top of mind for her. But it was tough because she was just so scared. And in my head, like, I'm scared of bad things happening to me. So it's not something that I can take away. And I'm always scared of bad things happening to her. Yeah. Right? And I think as parents, that's how we operate. We're scared of bad things happening to our kids. So we put in place boundaries. We put in place rules. We put in place lessons with coaches and things like that just to ensure that it doesn't happen. And we also are fairly good at not... I mean, I mean, very good at, and I find a lot of parents are about not freaking out over spilt milk yeah. and little things because that can really create an atmosphere of a child being scared of everything because mm-hmm. they feel like I'm going to get in trouble if I step, mommy steps on a toy or I spill the milk. We're always like, it's okay, it's just an accident. But for me growing up, it, I wasn't part of that generation. Yeah. I was part of the crying over spilt milk thing. So every time I spilled something, yelled at. Mm-hmm. So that I feel like has, I was already prone to anxiety, but I'm hyper alert of everything. I have a bit of fear of authority. I could never be friends with anyone in any (laughs) superior position than me. I can't even talk to those people at my work, Mm -hmm. everything. So I think if we nurture Lucy in the right way, because I feel like Lucy's susceptible to it, we can have her have a healthy amount of fear. Yeah, no, I think that's good. Yeah, you don't want to shoot your kids' nerves out when they're so young and you want them to be able to be resilient, right? Mm-hmm. But still aware. Resilient, but not stupid. Resilient, but not, um, you know how teenagers feel? What's the word I'm looking for? Invincible. invincible. Yeah. yeah. You want to be resilient, but not have the illusion of invincibility. Right. And it's like every kid's different. Betty's obviously already, we can tell she doesn't have the same nervous system mm-hmm. as Lucy. Betty yeah. is not freaking out in the pool. And, you know, a lot of that is she's a little bit younger, so she doesn't know what to even be scared of as much. Mm-hmm. But just in general, Betty kind of needs you to scare her a little bit. Yeah. Lucy needs you to take the fear away a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it was funny because the, the conversations, like we were going through all these highs and lows, right? It was emotional, not emotional. And then it ended up like we, I stopped talking after this point, but the last piece of bad advice I gave her, she said, well, how do I become a princess? How do you become a princess? So then I started telling her how, well, you have to be born into a royal family to be a princess. But... You could just make all your own money and then not have to live under anybody's rules and then buy all the princess things you want, help all the people you want, do all this. But then it started getting way too capitalist and I couldn't uh, retract from it. And I was just I was trying to figure out how to get to the doctor and to her school. And it was this whole big it was this whole big thing. So I I just shut myself up. Well, that's what we're all trying to do, isn't it? What? Just have enough money. We don't have to do anything. Well, you don't have to answer to anybody you don't want to answer yeah. to. I like that idea. Is that bad idea? No, Am but... I too much of a capitalist? No. The way I was taking it was, though. But then we actually came up with a great idea because Lucy's been talking about recently how she wants to maybe own an art gallery and have other mm. paintings, have her own paintings. She's been talking about it a lot. So I was thinking, okay, tell me if this is a crazy idea because I was talking to her about it in the car and she was really digging it, obviously, but it would take more work on her part. 
But what if my friend owns a building, owns a barbershop, very popular spot down on the street in Hamilton, James Street North, that has a monthly art crawl where galleries open, artists put out work. What if I contacted him and was like, hey, can Lucy make a little gallery in your shop for art crawl? Because she wants to start selling paintings and earning money. Sure. But, you know, at this age, every week you're hopping on a new thing. And I'm not saying art isn't going to be Lucy's passion going forward because she has stuck with it. But that's a little bit of a burden for your pal. Five-year-old wants to do a gallery. How do you say no? And then when you say yes, you're just like Joe Pesci grumbling. (laughs) I don't think you'd care. You're just in a little corner. Okay. It's a little much. <laughs> let's create the art before we do a gallery. Let's yeah. let's not tell Lucy anything. The gallery can be in our house. I was trying to goal set with her. Sure, let's goal set, and we can have parents come through this gallery. Look, our house is neat enough. What it kind of looks like a gallery right now. For once, for yeah. once, we're in our once monthly uh, clean house look right now. We just moved the mess upstairs to our bedroom. Yeah. Okay. Before we cut it, my before we go to the mailbag segment, do you think you need to be alive to be dead? Sorry? So have we already been dead, you and I? No. We haven't. So we had all this time before we were alive, we haven't been dead more than we've been alive. No, I think in order to be dead, you have to have been alive. And in order to be alive, you have to have been nothing mm-hmm. or just a, a, a non-being. You know what I mean? Right. I think dead is the direct result of having been alive. And before you're alive, it's just whatever it is. It's just mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. I wonder what atheists think. I, I bet you atheists feel like they have been dead before. No. And that I, being I, dead. No, you don't think atheists feel that way? No. Oh, I feel like atheists do. That they think you've been dead and then alive and then dead again? Because then that would kind of reverse <laughs> the rules of atheism. Because then. What, what are the rules of atheism? Well, that there's like, like being dead is, being dead is like a state of being. But I think they think that you're not in a state of being when you're dead. You're just nothing. That's what I mean. So it's like you're nothing and then you're alive and then you're nothing again. That's what I mean. So I think atheists believe that they've been dead so long that it's kind of comforting. And then when they die again, they're going to be nothing again. Like I actually heard this from, I believe, Ricky Gervais or someone like that who which was a comforting thought. He said, we've been dead for, we're all scared of death, but we've already been dead for so long and we're just nothing. And being nothing mm-hmm. is a fine thing to be. Yeah. I, I think it's like on part of Ricky Gervais or whoever used that terminology. I think it's a poor use of terminology because dead implies that you've been alive. But I think like if you're saying nothing and then alive and then nothing again, makes more sense. But I would like to talk to whoever said that because I don't like their terms. Oh, I like it. Well, I don't like it because dead implies that you were alive before. So it's like, what are you? Are you an atheist or do you believe in some kind of reincarnation? Like, get your terminology right, bro. I'm agnostic. Well, not you. I'm talking to Ricky Gervais or whoever said that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sometimes I like like hearing atheist thoughts. But okay, let's take a pause right now and then we're going to come back because we have a phone call right now. So we're going to take a brief pause, come back and do a mailbag segment. I'm going to finish my keto pizza in the meantime. Okay, enjoy. Okay, so we took our break, and now we are back for the mailbag segment. Now, what, How would you describe this segment? The mailbag is where you write in something frivolous, something serious, something where you want advice, and we answer it. This actually used to be a call-in podcast, so I feel very, uh, this is very sentimental to me. I think it's been my favorite portion of the podcast ever since the beginning, where we'd have 
like the most insane callers. Yeah. To be a person calling into a podcast, I've realized that you're a little bit weirder than if you're the type of person to email into a podcast, which is why we're here. We get to curate a little bit. Uh, I think we had a psychic once. Yes. Uh, but we gave us terrible news. Terrible news. And, and true news. What, what was the Wasn't news? it? Didn't she say that I was going to have like a miscarriage or something that I did? Oh, right. Yeah. That was like, that was wild. Uh, anyways, I we may have been cursed. But the first question that we have on episode 195, I want to start initiating more sex with my partner. I'm nervous. How should I go about it? So quite honestly, I want to give this one to Shane because this is a question that I have sometimes too, and that I think a lot of people might struggle with, especially if you feel like you lost your groove a little bit after having kids, you might not feel so good, you might not feel as desirable. So what's a good way that a husband might respond to, Shane? I think Nike nailed it the best when they say, just do it. <laughs> and you know, I think there's a Matt Damon movie, I guess it's a James Cameron, not James Cameron, Cameron Crowe film called We Bought a Zoo. And he talks about how just seven seconds of courage can change everything. So sometimes mm -hmm. it's just might be difficult. It might be a little awkward, but just getting through that seven second barrier and asking or telling will always result in good things or should. And I mean, if the husband's saying no or or just not coming up with a, a way to turn it into a yes, I think that's a bigger issue. But it can be awkward to kind of force that moment in. And I think you're always glad that you did it. Matthew McConaughey, who's married to a Camilla. super Camilla, a supermodel, and he himself is very attractive. He was talking about how it's always hard to initiate it, but they're always glad that they did. So it's like going to the gym, you know? Such you're always, a chore. Well, you, it's euphoric afterwards. You feel better about yourself and life and in general and every birds are singing. But sometimes just the initiation feels like the juice isn't worth the squeeze because it can be so uncomfortable. So that is the advice. Uh, you can do hard things. That hard thing might be initiating a somewhat uncomfortable conversation with your partner. But if you go through it, it could be uh, amazing and life-changing. But here's the thing. I need some real-world advice. Not that just is. for this listener. No, but for me. Because in my way of initiating, because I feel so out of the flirting game sometimes and whatnot, I'll literally, I'll look at you and I'll be thinking, I'm like, okay, I'm going to initiate something. I'm going to initiate something. And then what that results in is just me looking at you and like plastering a stupid grin on my face and just giggling because I don't oh. know how to initiate it. Well, for me, it'd be just initiating saying, do you want to X, Y, Z? And I don't know when, when have I ever said no? Have I ever said no? No, I guess I guess that that's an effective way. So like so you're saying just straight up ask, say hey, do you want to do this? Yeah. I like that. I've never said no. I like that. No. I think that's good. And you can't get more simple than that either. All right. So there you have that. Our next question. If you died, describe what your partner's new spouse would be like. Career, age, hobbies, etc. Well, Alex is so uninspiring on this question. It's a bit of a joke question that she takes seriously. But her answer is always the default. Oh, my my partner would be uh, this rich guy who's much older, who's also <laughs> going to be near death. So I'm not saying I don't believe her, but it does feel like a bit of a joke wrapped in a cheeky desperate housewife type of lifestyle that you envision, which I mm -hmm. don't necessarily think 
that is what would happen. I think you would find someone not like me, but someone adjacent to me or my age. And I think that's as high as you'd go. However, insert your hilarious answer right now. No, well, my person for you, I'm not, I'm not giving, it's not for ourselves. But you won't confirm whether I'm right or not? No, I think it is, but I want more details actually on on what you think this person would be like. Let's examine it and then we can go through me. Well, okay. Well, do you want me to hear the kind of person that I can picture for you? Okay, so we go, we each go our initial surface thing and then we deep dive it? Yeah, I don't even okay. have an initial surface thing for you. I, I only took this as like, who do I actually think would make a good partner for you? Because my initial surface thing would be like, nobody, you cry every day that I'm gone and, yeah. you know, okay. pine for me. But um, for you, I picture a woman like you're 40, honestly, maybe 40, I'd say between 38, 42, and... I know you... This is what I would want? Yes. It's already is, the age is seeming a little high. No, I'm joking. It. I'm joking. Um, but this is who I think would be good for you as a second wife. But you you make fun of teachers. I'm a teacher. You make fun of teachers sometimes. But I really do think that you would do well with a teacher of sorts because I think that there's a lot of built-in patience and care and understanding. And I think that you do well in a relationship with somebody who is very caring and very patient and as far as hobbies and things go, just I think it's not a lot to ask for somebody the same with the same kind of things that you like. Somebody that can play, not even play sports, just be active, like have mm-hmm. like a semi-active lifestyle, can play sports, at least want to have fun, um, can be into, you know, watching movies, like easy things. But oddly, I think maybe a lot of people, it's not their cup of tea, but as selfishly too i'd obviously want somebody who's also caring and patient because they would you know be taking care of my kids i guess yeah and typically okay physically i guess flat as a board easier to nail would be kind of my type if we're <laughs> shane does have a type in that regard um no you you're looking quite big in this top well, actually shane, Are you breastfeeding still no, I, what's I going on, on there a, i never wear a bra oh, i put goodness. on a bra for once well i have to send a thank you email to victoria's secret because <laughs> secret is Oh, both of them. Uh, okay, yeah, that, that's that's good. You know, I need someone who's willing to embrace all of my stupid ideas and side quests and dumb adventures. Because if you're not up for that, it's going to be tough. Because I'll get excited over, you know, NBA Jam for a month. And then before you know it, we're going to Philadelphia for an NBA Jam tournament. And if you're not down for that... You, I'm going to be unreasonably uh, unreasonable. <laughs> but in, in this thing, I think that you <laughs> might say you'd want somebody who's type A because you're not and you might like that organization. But really, a type A person is probably going to be too scheduled and too uncomfortable doing, you know, having those whims. Not a type A person, a person who's neat, like a type A person mm-hmm. with a type B personality. That would be Perfect. Well, sorry, I'm not perfect. No, no, I didn't say you were. Mm. And that's fine. (laughs) No, and that's fine. I like, uh, you know, sometimes you got to take the bad or you don't get the good. Right. Who's my death husband? Death husband. Okay. This guy. Okay. He's got a, I I would like for him to be a little bit uh, typical Harlequin novel type. He's still a goofball, but he's also... Harlequin novelty. Maybe he's got longer hair, muscles. Is it getting hot in here? He can uh, he can drive a car well. He can parallel park like nobody else. <laughs> Shane cannot parallel park. Okay, I can barely drive. Uh, and he he can take charge, but he's also he's um, 
he's willing to play ball and he's equitable with his his time and his emotions i would say like i don't want the prototypical man from like the you know the 80s version of what a man should be but he needs to be a sensitive person but he also needs to take charge when the, the time is right and obviously if we're talking about kids which is a very good point that alex brought up which is something i wouldn't have thought of he's got to be caring and loving towards mm-hmm. kids that aren't his own because yeah. that that's a special type of personality mm-hmm. Do, does that person exist i think it can like look we're living with a person like that right now roseanne i thought you're gonna stepmom. say yourself harlequin good looks sensitive, oh i thought emotional. we were on the, the kids no angle. we are we are we are and this is a good point you bring up actually yeah i think that person they must exist but they're you know to get a good person so hard and to get a good person that is single Mm -hmm. is hard especially at this age unless they're widowed or betrayed in some crazy way i think yeah i think widowers are a really good option if you're dating at this age you know nothing nothing went down they they have a lot of emotional baggage but maybe not in that kind of like cheaty untrusting way all their baggage is six feet under (laughs) (laughs) that's a good place to put baggage um next question there's an article about a woman who donated a kidney to her boss but then she got fired for taking too long to recover what are your thoughts and would you who would you donate a kidney to first of all i think this story might be misleading because there's no way in hell the boss who received the kidney is doing the firing i suspect someone above the boss fired the employee for taking too long recover, to recover. I guess Because so. this is good headline bait, but it doesn't seem like it's based in reality. But regardless, if you're if the doctors are saying you need a certain amount of time to recover from donating a kidney, saving somebody else's life, you don't think HR might be like, this person went above and beyond her humanitarian duty and did this really amazing thing. But maybe this person's also going above and beyond and taking advantage of the situation. It's very true. Because we don't know. I need more details. Is this person taking five years off? Is mm-hmm. this person been cleared and is still saying yeah. I need a third opinion from a, a doctor? Who knows? You can be both a terrible employee and a very altruistic <laughs> human being. Who would you donate a kidney to and who would you not donate a kidney to? Case by case, but I would think family. Obviously, I want everyone mm-hmm. to be alive and live as long as possible. Uh, I need to know how it's going to affect my life, how my kidneys are doing. I have kidney issues within my gene pool. Mm-hmm. So you I do? I believe that's how my grandpa, like he had kidney stones. Mm, we didn't and, talk about this before procreating. <sighs> well, it's a, it's a male thing. We have women. Yeah. It's, on the, it's on the male side. See, I, I think about the kidney thing. If and somebody- you lupus. I, I know that, but See, it's you're a ticking time bomb. <laughs> but- with the donating of an organ thing, I think that if I was able to be without it and somebody was like looking at me pleadingly and I was their only hope, I don't think I could say no to anybody. Like if somebody was like, you are my hope to stay alive, I don't think I could say no to anybody. I don't care if they were a stranger or whatever. However, I might not put myself forward to be considered an option outside of the So family. you're just getting door to door? <laughs> kidney ask i'll say yes to anyone but you gotta find me i hide mm-hmm. when they knock it's it's tricky like look what what selena gomez also a lupus sufferer um but she a friend of hers donated a kidney to her and then she cut that friend out of her life yeah yeah it's true um like that's kind of crazy because things can happen where you do an ultimate favor but mm-hmm. sometimes no favor go unpunished because yeah. then the person's like, remember when I got you that 
kid me, <laughs> Selena? You remember how you're worth a billion dollars? Remember how I need a new Porsche? You know, I would give the chick a Porsche at that point, though. Yeah, but maybe she's just going above and beyond, and then it starts at a Porsche, and she's like, "I should have asked for a Lamborghini," and then I should have asked for a house. And when does it end? But I do feel like they've come together. Have they? But, but yeah, like you know me, Alex. If you ask me for an organ donation, I will say yes. I might ask you for an organ donation later. Yeah, I was implying that. So <laughs> you, uh, yeah. <laughs> I've got the cleverest <laughs> joke to add to that. I was trying to add it to our, if you only ask, I'll say yes. No, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Um, okay. The next question is more of a statement. A 70-year-old gave birth to twins. What are your thoughts on this? So I didn't want to just comment on this without looking at the article. So it's a really interesting thing. And I, I do have... So it's not natural. They they have They were implanted with things right ovaries yes. or whatever not no they had ovaries they were they were ivf Fresh babies ones. yeah so okay so this was a seven-year-old woman in uganda she couldn't conceive as a younger woman so a woman's group in uganda um they donated the money because obviously this is a very expensive treatment and she gave birth to twins as a seven-year-old woman and now my first initial thought is well you know what like okay just anybody, no matter where they're from, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, this is, it's kind of a selfish move, maybe, because you're seven years old. And the doctors, like I listened to an interview with the doctors, they were like, well, we were doing our tests to make sure she was healthy enough for the pregnancy and the birth, and she was, so we went ahead with it. But it's like, yeah, the pregnancy and the birth is one thing that lasts nine months of pregnancy, less if you're having twins, and the birth is like a, a day, two days at most. What about all the sleepless nights after and never, you have, you have twins. It's double that. That's so hard. But then I'm like, you know what? Maybe their social structure is different. Maybe it's like more of a community thing. Yeah. Well, like, you know, they say it takes a village. Maybe the village is actually taking care of it. Yeah. So I actually have a couple quotes from the woman that gives some more insight. And all then, the quotes are, what have I done? <laughs> no. I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> so the woman was quoted as saying, I'm a poor woman and even I don't have the energy to work now. I wish I had kids when I was younger, but God what is giving mean, me. Even I, you're 70. I know. Even I can't work. But it's like, you're, you don't have enough energy to work, but you have enough energy to take care of twins. But okay, keep going. She's saying, God is giving me these children and God will take care of them. And she said that she wanted to have kids because she used to be mocked when she was younger for being childless. And then another, now it's the reverse. <laughs> and now another quote, I looked after other people's children and saw them grow up and leave me uh, and leave me alone. I wondered who would take care of me when I grew old. And there's a lot, like, I have so many thoughts on this. This is like hmm. such a complicated situation. So I feel so bad for her. Obviously, she went through so much pain and so much suffering because she wanted to be a mother. It's something she's always wanted. But to have kids at 70 years old, just to have them because it's like, is she having them out of spite for being mocked? Does she want to know what it feels like? It's all very her centric it's all very mom-centric reasons for having kids and maybe that is for everybody i don't know but how much like it, it, there's there's something that makes me a little bit hesitant to be like oh this was a great idea of course of course i don't think you're going out on a limb making some crazy thoughts here because she's basically saying i want someone to take care of me when i'm old yeah and she might be a very fit young 
seeming seven year old, which a lot of seven year olds right now, they seem like they're 60. She still doesn't have the energy to work though, her own uh, quote. I know, but so I guess let's say when she's 80, when she's at that age mm-hmm. where a lot of people do start to really need help, they still only have a ten, nine, yeah. nine year old. And they need so much help. Yeah. So I think if she's expecting this 10 year old to just take care of her, that's tough. Even 20 year olds can be a little bit selfish. Well, and I, I think too, it, you know, raises some good questions about parenting in general. Like, what kind of expectations are we putting on kids before they even come out of the womb? Like, are we having kids to fulfill our own needs? I mean, I think we all are in a, in a little way, you know, to maybe create a family, you know, create people that look like you and your spouse, that kind of thing. But are you putting more expectations on your children than is fair? And what is that line? Because I think this woman has obviously definitely crossed that line. But where does that line start? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I just hope that the kids are okay. I hope that the kids are okay. And and there is, you know, a group, like a village taking care of them. But I, I don't know. Maybe this is just coming from my Western standpoint. I think that you'd want your parents around a little longer, even if you had a village. But... I don't know. Yeah, at some point it goes beyond opinion and it just becomes pure science. 70s, the <laughs> oldest person I've ever heard of in, uh, having she's, kids. She's the oldest woman to have children. Yeah, yeah, so that's scientifically, I would think, the, you know, the odds of being 100 years old are mm-hmm. probably 0.5%. Mm-hmm. So if she makes it to 100, the kid would still only be 30. Yeah. So I don't know. I still rely on my parents all the time. Yeah. Like. Max, it seems like you get 10 years of that kid being an adult to look after you. And those 10 years are when the kid's trying to, like, figure out a way for itself and get a job and a career and all that. And, you know, before anybody's like, well, men do this all the time, I don't think men should be having kids that old either. Because, again, you're just depriving them of a parent when you inevitably die, especially since you die earlier than women. Maybe she has a young boyfriend or husband who's, like, in his 20s. So she's depriving her kids of, like, a life with mom or the the uh, the option to have a life with a mom right because we never know when we're gonna die but yeah i don't think we're doing any hot takes here (laughs) okay uh next question if shane went to prison not that he would but would you stay with him and then you can answer for me it depends what you do it depends what he does doesn't it depend how long i'm going gone away for too well no because i years yeah but i tried yeah, but I think we just like maybe have an open relationship because obviously you'd want somebody to keep visiting you and I wouldn't want you to like be That's alone. That's fair. <laughs> Do whatever you want, Shane. Let's be open. You can be with anyone you want. I guess, I'll, I guess I'll be with people. I'm not really interested, some, but I know, uh, Shane, you will want to be with others. There's some possibly handsome Harlequin-esque men in that prison, Shane. Yeah, but I'm not gay. Well, Yet, you might guess, change you your know, mind after yeah. 25 years in the slammer. 25 years. <clears throat> well, after. 25 days. <laughs> um, if you went to prison for 50 years, what would you, would you let me have an open relationship and then just like come visit you and, or would we get divorced and then I just still remain like your visitor and your companion? Yeah, let's say, let's just say it's a white collar crime. Um, yeah, I, I would, I would say... You know, let's have a friendship. Mm-hmm. Well, see, if you didn't do it, I would stay with you and then be trying no, to get I you out. Even if I didn't do it, it's like, let's try to get me out. But you got one life, presumably. True. That's the one thing we know, that you get one life at the bare minimum. So I would say live your life and get somebody else to fulfill all of your needs. And maybe I'll still be this weird friend for you. Yeah. 
and, I like it. and father and husband. Friend. You know, the, it's unconventional. No. But I would still be a husband and friend and um, mentor to you and your new husband. I'd want to be friends with him also. I like the idea of you mentoring uh, me and my new husband. Yeah, like I think I've got good <laughs> life advice. Like you know, he might you need know, to call don't, you. Don't money launder. He might need to call you to vent. Like that could be an interesting. Oh, he'll call me to vent for sure. <laughs> That could be like a funny sitcom. I like this. Um, okay, we have two more. We're one more question left. Sorry, it being was pelvic floor chair therapy worth it? So I was using the Ancella chair for a while. I did a treatment with that, and I think it depending on your condition, depending on the state of your pelvic floor, it's it's honestly going to be different for everybody. For me, I definitely do not pee every time I sneeze now, but I still am if I don't, you know hold my pelvic floor and brace for it. But I mean, that is a step up from where I was. So I think that me answering this isn't, is it, I don't think it's appropriate or, and I don't think that it is helpful because you need to talk to your own physiotherapist, see what they say, and then you need to decide for yourself what kind of improvement would be enough to have it be worth it to you and what wouldn't be. Um, so yeah. So there, it's, it's it's a vague answer. It's a crappy answer, but I don't want to give anybody medical advice, especially when that medical thing costs a S ton of money. There you have it. I will abstain from opinion, <laughs> but I will say thanks for listening to this podcast in general. Are you rating the podcast? It doesn't seem like it. So Go rate uh, it. So yeah, if you could rate it, I'd appreciate it. We're thinking of amping things up. I know we always say that, but we are. Okay, we're going to amp up the pod. We're kind of dedicating our lives to the social media game for the um, foreseeable future. So expect big things. Ooh. And uh, thank you so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast, episode 195.